This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You deciding that you definitely want something to change and then identifying what you want to change, where you're headed. And then next after that, you say, okay, what are some options for getting where I actually want to go starting right now? This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about how to create a rich life. Yes, the word rich, that can mean different things to different people, right? So to help us discover our meaning of rich, I've invited author Scarlett Cochran on the show today. Scarlett is a lawyer, a wealth expert, and the founder of One Big Happy Life, where she has taught millions of people how to spend guilt-free while also building wealth for their best financial future. She's also the author of the new book, It's Not About the Money, A Proven Path to Building Wealth and living the rich life you deserve. When she's not helping people live a rich life, she's enjoying spending time with her two kids and watching sci-fi TV shows. Welcome to the show, Scarlett. Thanks for having me, Andy. So excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, this is a fun conversation because I think that could be a question for all of us. What does rich really mean? So let's talk about your story. When you were growing up, what did you think it meant to be rich? Well, when I was growing up, Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous was like, we would watch that. I think it was every Sunday. So that's really what I thought of as rich, like these incredibly wealthy people, actors, athletes, business people, and especially myself coming from very humble beginnings because my parents and I, we came here when I was two years old, where I was born in Guyana, South America, and neither one of my parents graduated from even high school. My dad was a mechanic, and he actually wasn't even able to get work here in the U.S. initially as a mechanic because he hadn't gone to a U.S.-recognized trade school. So we were definitely pretty poor in the beginning. And over time, my parents built us up to where we had really a comfortable middle class, still blue collar lifestyle. So that seemed so far fetched to me until I went to high school. I went to Bronx High School of Science. And that is when I really kind of started rubbing elbows with people who were very wealthy. So teenagers who were driving luxury vehicles, visiting friends who had penthouses in mid midtown Manhattan, like two-story floors in buildings. And for a long time, that's what a rich life looked like to me. But now that I'm older, it's really about defining what your vision of your best life looks like. Well, let's talk about how you maybe changed that definition as you started to get older. You were in high school and you got into your career. When did things start to click for you to say, well, this is how I want to live my rich life? Well, when I was on the verge of having the wealthy, like the the lucrative career. So I ended up, I was a single teen mom. So after I graduated high school, I joined the Marine Corps. 
I had my daughter Alexis and I was working full-time as an active duty Marine, but not making much money. And of course, the idea of creating a rich life for myself and my daughter was what drove me to pursue a more lucrative career. So I ended up putting myself through college. I put myself through law school and I aimed at a top law school and I ended up going to Yale because my idea was, well, I want to go to a big law firm because at the time, the starting salary fresh out of law school was $160,000 a year plus bonus. And I'm like, all right, that's going to afford me a rich life. And then also like the, the salary stair step. So by the time you were, let's say a sixth or seventh year associate, you could be making $400,000 or more a year. And I'm like, all right, that's it. Cha-ching. And so I did that. And I discovered that I hated working at the law firms because in exchange for making that much money, they basically owned your whole life. So I was never around. I didn't see much of my daughter and then my then husband because I later married and divorced after law school, but I just didn't see my family very much. And that's when I realized that the trade-off for me wasn't worth it. I needed to find a way to make the kind of money that I wanted to make, but still be able to have the kind of quality of life that I wanted to have. And so that's when I realized it wasn't all about the money, which is, you know, tongue in cheek, because that's the title of the book, but that you have to actively pursue that balance if you want it. Otherwise, you're going to end up down a path where you may be pursuing financial goals, thinking that that's the be all end all. That's the way to get to what's going to make you happy when you never actually stop to ask yourself, well, what does a happy life look like for me? That's a really good point. Was there an epiphany moment on your journey when you were making great money, but realizing you didn't really have a lot of control of your time? And then what did you do to change at that point? Yeah, definitely. So I was at a law firm in New York City. I was summering there and it was, I remember when I was th- learning about the perks of law firm life, one of the perks was that you get a car home at the end of the day if you stay past a certain time or if you have to come in on the weekends, they'll send out a car to get you. And also if you're working late, the firm covers your meal. So you're ordering from all of these like really nice New York City restaurants and you get to eat all these great meals, but you're at your desk working. And it didn't like, it didn't connect to me until I was actually doing it. And after the you know, fourth or fifth weekend where I wouldn't see my family all day. Yes, a fancy car would come and get me, drive me into New York City because I was staying with my parents in Brooklyn to save money. And my husband would spend all day, my ex-husband would spend all day with our daughter, Alexis, and they're doing fun things like sending me pictures from the Statue of Liberty and the Empire State Building. And I'm sitting, you know, in an office working and it's not even a cute office either. And so then he would put her to bed and leave her with my parents and then come to see me at work around eight o'clock at night and stay there with me for three or four hours. And then I'm sleeping on him on the car ride home. And I said to myself, this isn't a life. This isn't awesome at all. The only time we're spending together is me trying to stay awake while we're taking a car home. And I'm not even really seeing my daughter except to say, have breakfast and then I'm out. I don't want this. I want something different. And so then I just started asking myself the question, okay, what do I actually want out of my life? What do I want my day-to-day life to look like and to feel like? What kind of work do I really want to do? And specifically, how much money do I actually need to make? Do I need that $160,000 salary right now? Like, yes, I have all these student loans from Yale, but how can I pay these student loans and also hit 
the lifestyle goals that I have for myself. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to be able to comfortably, I want, I knew I needed to start investing for retirement. I wanted to pay for college for my daughter, Alexis, who by then was only maybe 10 years away from college. And so then I actually crunched the numbers and said, okay, I think I could actually be okay starting out at $60,000. Like I can hit a bare minimum on a lot of things and then increase my income over time and work do public interest work. So my student loans would be discharged through public service loan forgiveness. And that was my plan that in within five years after law school, I wanted to be working in public interest 40 hours a week, making a six figure salary and enjoying my life. And that's exactly what I did. Wow, that's incredible. So you made that change. You got more of your time back in exchange for a little less money. But really, the trade-off was more time with your family and more time to even hit those goals that you were working on. How did you formulate all those goals? Because you mentioned all those. There was like five big, gigantic goals there. And to me, that felt overwhelming. It's like, how did you prioritize those goals in order to achieve your rich life now that you've grabbed back more of your time? You know, this is where advanced planning comes in and really getting used to thinking about future self. I know when we're talking about our finances, it's so easy to just jump from financial fire to financial fire in the moment, but we need to always develop a practice of building an ability to not just take actions for right now, but think about where we want to be in the future because So often we think we're powerless, but in reality, the decisions that we're making right now, they are setting up our positioning for the decisions that we're going to be making five and 10 years down the line. So when I had my daughter, Alexis, and I'm struggling to even find us a nice place to live, I couldn't even afford, I had a two-door coupe. So here I am with an infant and a two-door coupe because that's all that I could really afford. I had to buy a pretty cheap car making only $25,000 a year. And I did not like the feeling of my money being the thing that was deciding what was possible for me. And I knew I had to think that I wanted more. And that's really the first thing connecting inside with yourself and your desires. And that's not to say you just let your desires run rampant, right? Because it takes time to really discover what truly matters to us to like, to release societal conditioning, things, stories that we've told ourselves about what it means to be happy, to really get to the core of happiness. But it starts by asking yourself the question. So I'm like, I knew I needed to put myself through college and I didn't want my daughter to have to go through that. I knew how hard it was for me to get my first car and I didn't want my daughter to go through that. I knew how crappy our first living situation was, which is CD bar on top of an apartment. And I didn't want my daughter's life to look like that. And I didn't want my life to look like that. I didn't know what I wanted it to look like because I had very little life experience, but I knew not that. And so The moral of that story is sometimes it's enough to know what you don't want so that you can at least start moving away from what you don't want. And then later on, I became more sophisticated in my planning. So I knew that I needed to start investing for retirement. And so I set a hard line that after I graduated from law school, it didn't matter how how much money I made, I must start investing some small amount. And I did. I invested the bare minimum that I could, $50 a paycheck. And I made the commitment to myself that I would increase that until I hit what I call my minimum investing rate so that I could hit my financial freedom number on my preferred timeline. And 
But that was, it took me, I don't know, seven, eight years to get to that point. And so it's also allowing the timing of your life to be the timing of your life versus feeling like you have to do everything right now, trusting that you've created this sequence of things that you're going to get to everything. I love that. Yeah. Taking those big, big, big goals and then breaking them down into small steps that you can actually do. And that's what you did. So talk to me about these student loans. Did you ever get rid of them? Are you still battling them? What's going on? I don't consider them to be a battle, you know, because the way that we talk about things, they are so important. And unfortunately, student loans get a really bad rap. We only ever hear the bad part about it, but we never thank it for being there for us when we needed it, right? It was the thing that allowed you to get your degree in the way you chose, Right. Like, and so it's so important to remember that. And yes, you can say, you know, I wish I had eaten a little less pizza in college, right? Eaten out just a few, (laughs) fewer times, cooked more in college. So I'd have maybe 10 or $20,000 less in student loans. But use that as a lesson going forward about your financial priorities and how you prefer to spend, not sitting back and looking at what you did with regret, right? Because It's almost like you're fighting against the reality of your situation and you're making the whole thing worse. So do I still have some of my student loans? Yes, I do. Because I made the decision that I was going to leave public service and run my own company, One Big Happy Life. And that's not what I was planning, right? My plan was I was going to do 10 years of public service, but then this opportunity came along and... I decided to say yes to it with my eyes wide open that it meant that I would I would have to end up repaying more of my student loans with cash versus my time than I had initially expected and I was okay with that. And yes, part of that is that the upside of my income being limitless as an entrepreneur, but also really thinking about how I truly wanted to spend the years of my life. And I spent 10 years, almost 10 years as a banking and finance attorney in public interest. And I just decided that that wasn't the path for me. And so the moral of the story there is that you can pivot and feel comfortable reevaluating your priorities and your financial goals and your timelines. I love that. And you're inspiring millions along the way. I'm a big fan of your YouTube channel. I love that you've got this book out there that's inspiring so many people with their path and showing them how just continuing, moving forward, putting those small steps in front of you can make a big impact with where you are in your life. How old is your daughter now? And what are some of the things that you're thinking about? I'm very inspired by your story of your parents coming over here and starting as they started. And now I'm thinking about you as a mother with your children. How are you working to help her create her own rich life? Or are you letting her define that? I'm very interested. Yeah, so Alexis turns 21 next month. I love it. Right? Yeah, I heard about the eight-year-old and then I hear 21. It's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my son Reeves turns seven (laughs) in a couple of days. So I have a seven-year-old and I have a soon-to-be 21-year-old. And Alexis has actually already graduated from college. So I did pay for college for her, but she also worked. So she worked for One Big Happy Life her whole time through college. So she paid for, she also paid for college. We both paid together. And I also was able to gift her her first car. It was a brand new car. Once upon a time, I was a person that was like, all oh, those people who give their kids brand new cars, I don't understand it. <laughs> and then I realized the safety features 
get better and better with every new model year. And I said, you know what? This is not only a gift to her. This is a gift to every other person out there. This car that will break for her, that will warn her when she's reversing world, you are welcome (laughs) that I'm putting this young driver out there in the safest possible vehicle for her and for you. And so I did all of those things. So I personally accomplished those things for myself, but I've also, she's watched me do these things throughout her life. She was with me when I was going to community college, when I fresh out of the Marine Corps. She crossed the stage with me at Yale Law School. So she's been with me all along the way, even making my first YouTube video. She's in my first YouTube video, the first One Big Happy Life YouTube video. And so she has seen me create this life on purpose. And one of the things that I've just always taught her is that it is important for her to define what her best life looks like, because also for her, she sees me as having these shoes that are very big to fill, you know, Marine, Yale Law, her own, having my own company, publishing this book. And I tell her that you, her life is her own, that she, it's up to her to define what feels good to her, what kind of life she wants to create. And I only want for her to be happy, to be a a good person and to really feel comfortable defining her own way in life, right? And being the fullest version of herself, that will make me proud. So, you know, so far she's, she's done that. She, but she got a bachelor's degree in marketing because she enjoyed working in the business. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy to see where she goes from here. But personally, as a parent, now I'm looking at, oh, well, she'll get married one day. Let's put that, you know, wedding fund so I can contribute to that. (laughs) But she also has quite a bit of money already invested. And so with the money she's already invested, if she just doesn't touch it, she will be a multimillionaire by the time she's at traditional retirement age. And that's a beautiful thing to set our children up for success in that way in early adulthood. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, a.k.a. the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. I love the starting of our conversation. You said when you were younger, you saw a rich life. 
you know, these TV shows and the glitz and glamour of the celebrities and everything like that. Even as a teenager, you saw a lot of wealth in New York and having the the internal struggle with that. And now as your daughter's 21, it's almost a new definition of what a rich life is out there, I guess. It's uh, ownership of time, you know, strong female entrepreneur ownership. And now to your point, that definition might change as she grows and decides what her definition is. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. I would love to offer some advice for people out there who are trying to define their version of a rich life. Where would they start with that conversation? They heard your story. Maybe they're thinking about themselves internally right now, just saying, well, I guess, where do I start? How do I decide what rich means to me? We already talked about this idea of identifying what you don't like. Sometimes for many people, especially And this is something that comes up a lot where people are not used to actually asking themselves what they want because we follow the traditional path of adulthood. Even me, to some extent, we go to college, we pick a career that we think is going to be one that is lucrative and support the lifestyle that we want. We find the partner, we get married, we have the kids, we buy the house, and then we find ourselves, we did all the things, but don't feel fulfilled. Something doesn't feel quite right. Or we ask ourselves, like, we look around and we say, is this it? And so, but To take that next jump to say, well, and this isn't it, and this is exactly what I want. That's a big jump. So I want you to feel comfortable starting small. And sometimes, like I said, the easiest place to start is with what parts, where are the friction points in your life right now? And which of those do you want to change? So what is working and what isn't working? And then now social media gets a bad rap. (laughs) because we're only seeing people's highlight reels. But there is value in that because we are seeing what other people are doing that we may not even have known was possible. So for me, I didn't have any idea that I could have a business where that's entirely online. I'm not working for anyone else. And it just comes from my own experience and teaching people and helping them change and developing my own thought leadership until I saw other people not only doing it, but teaching it, that this was a skill that I could learn and develop over time. And so the benefit of looking at social media is that you see, oh my gosh, so-and-so just took their kids, just decided to homeschool their kids and spent a year in Bali. So-and-so decided to quit their job and start a business. So-and-so went from being an executive in, I don't know, medical device manufacturing. And now she she has multiple restaurants. She's a franchisee. And so seeing people do incredible things with their lives not only gives you ideas, but it gets your brain thinking more creatively about what is possible for your life. So I call it practicing possibilities and just trying on, what if I were to do this? What could that look like? Because we also get very bogged down in the, I can't because I have this job, I have this career, I have kids to support. This is the city where my kids have all their friends. But if you allow yourself to just start thinking about 
well, if I wanted to do this thing, sometimes I'll get really crazy and I'll say, well, if I wanted to be Beyonce, what would I have to do? What would that look like for me to become the next Beyonce in my 40s? And it's a fun exercise, even if you never actually choose that as your path, because what you're doing is laying the groundwork in your brain for your brain to always be thinking creatively and expansively about what's possible for your life. It's definitely the opposite of a scarcity mindset of this is my current situation. There's not much I can do to change from it. This is how much I make. And this is my reality. You're transforming your thinking into what can be and then maybe getting inspired by it to motivate you to find those actions that are smart money moves that move you forward. Maybe we can talk about some of those smart money moves for people who are out there that are thinking, okay, this stuff's all new to me. I can be positive. I can think big. But what are some of those smart money moves that maybe helped you on your journey or that other people can do to make progress and create some more openness and opportunity? Yeah. So I would say definitely starting with the vision, starting with the vision of what I wanted, because what that does is grounds your financial goals in your values. So you deeply desire those financial goals. And so you're not just relying on willpower or worse, guilt or shame, because that's something that comes up a lot when we're talking about money. So you're not relying on those emotions to propel you long-term because it just doesn't work. So when you connect to something that you truly care about, that matters to you, then it's easier for you to keep coming back to the goal over and over. Another mistake that people make is that they think that they'll set the goal and they'll be perfect and nothing's going to go wrong. And if something does go wrong, if they overspend, then that means that they don't have what it takes. But in reality, none of us are perfect on the path to reaching our goals. You don't have to be perfect. What matters is your recovery, how quickly you come back to it, and then you get better and better at it over time. So those are some of the more behavioral, just thought and mindset side of things, but really practical. One thing I find is people don't know what they're actually doing with their money. They practice what I call mental money math. And so they don't think they're spending nearly as much as they are. And then they're frustrated that they're not able to hit all of their financial goals. But if they just start paying attention and all it takes is just logging, and I believe in this, manually logging your spending. As you spend, write it down. Pay attention to what you're spending your money on. Do not use aggregator apps, right? So if you're not hitting your financial goals, if you don't know exactly what's going on with your money, then you're not ready to just offload it somewhere. You need the full awareness and control over your money first before you just completely rely on an aggregator. So I believe hands-on your money Simply just paying attention to what you're spending money on. And I like them to rate their level of satisfaction with their spending after the fact. Right? Did you, how much enjoyment did you actually get out of this? Right in the moment though. So you just ate out, you log $100 sushi at such and such, rate it. And then two days later, when you're back at that same sushi place and you're spending another $100, did you get the same level of satisfaction as you did earlier this week? And for most of us, the answer is going to be no. And that level of awareness is what allows us to stop spending on default and start spending more intentionally because we can stop ourselves and say, hey, wait, I last time I did this, I actually decided I really didn't like this that much. And here's what I felt like I should have done instead. So that's what I'm going to try this time. So that way we're setting ourselves up for success. 
Yeah, inspiring yourself with a personal why and your goal and why are you doing this and what are we moving towards for our rich life and then intentionally spending our money so we're moving in a good place. You know, there's a lot of people who listen to the show, like you said, maybe they're in their 40s and they're thinking, hey, I've got a lot of debt. I don't think I'm ever going to get this rich life, even if I can come up with it. What would you say to that person? I would say that you could spend the next 10 years becoming a doctor and then be a doctor for 25 years. Like, I mean, 40 is still young. I know that we think of 40 as, oh, and now we're getting ready to settle down. But why? It doesn't have to be that way. You could completely pivot your career and make double, triple, quadruple what you've made in the past if you choose. Or you can decide, well, I'm 40 years old. Here's what I thought was going to happen in my life. But now at 40, I'm realizing I don't want to do what it takes to be able to have those things. And I'll give you an example. I always thought that I would have more kids. And when I was 30, I waited till I was 30. So I got divorced, remarried, and then started trying to have more children. And unfortunately, 10 years of trying, including IVF, Joseph and I were only able to have one additional biological child. So we have our two children. And, you know, we went back and forth about adoption and things like that. But now we're both like, well, I'm 40. Reeves is seven. Do we really want to go back to the baby stage? And so for 40 years, I had this vision of, well, this big family, multiple little rugrats running around. And now I'm coming to think, coming to accept this idea that I think my life is going to look different going forward. And I'm also okay with that. If I wasn't okay with that, I would go, I would adopt, I would look at surrogacy, something like that, but I'm okay with this being the new path. So for the 40 year olds, okay. So for your first 40 years, you did some wonderful, fun things. I guarantee you, you have some great memories. So focus on that. You also have skills that you've developed over time that actually position you to have a steeper upward trajectory in this later half of your life, right? Because you learned a lot of life lessons and you have those skills that you can rely on. So now the question is, where do you want your life to go from here? And if the answer is really, for the most part, on the same trajectory, so you want to have a more moderate lifestyle in retirement, you're comfortable with that, you enjoy the type of work that you do, and you don't want to change that, you want to just do a little bit of habit shifting so that you're investing a little bit more and maybe spending a little bit less on some of your more splurgy areas of your budget, that's okay too. It doesn't have to be a massive overhaul, but the first thing is for you to decide what you actually want and really step into that knowledge and the belief that you can have whatever you want once you make the decision. But right now what you're doing is throwing your hands up in the air and saying, well, there's nothing I can do about it. So you're doing nothing. And so then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that's the first thing that's got to shift. You deciding that you definitely want something to change and then identifying what you want to change, where you're headed And then next after that, you say, okay, well, what are some options for getting where I actually want to go starting right now? It's a lot about mindset. I think you had the quote in your book, the Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And I'm sure I butchered it there. But I think there's a lot that goes into that. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Because mindset can really move us in the direction where we want to go or need to go. So Scarlett, I think this is a fantastic conversation. I'm glad you're out there promoting this conversation. Please tell us where people can connect with you and then find your new book. 
Yeah. So you can connect with me at One Big Happy Life everywhere, YouTube, Instagram. And to order the book, you can go to onebighappylife.com forward slash book. And we have links everywhere, including international book retailers as well and local book retailers. Support your local businesses, your small business, especially small business owners like Scarlett. Scarlett, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is such a great conversation. Rich, R-I-C-H. Yes, so many feelings and emotions with one four-letter word. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Scarlett Cochran. Number one, crunch your happiness numbers. There was a point in time where Scarlett was working countless hours so she could maximize her income and live that rich life, or so she thought the rich life was at the time. Over time, though, she realized that wasn't the rich life she wanted. She wanted her time back. So she crunched the numbers to see how much she actually needed to make to live comfortably. If you've never thought about how much you need to live comfortably, I challenge you to think about it and do this exercise. If you don't have control over your time right now or you just want more control over it, reanalyze your budget and your expenses. This simple activity may give you some time-capturing epiphanies that may just lead you to your rich life. Number two, know what you don't need. If you don't know what you want out of your life or you can't easily define your rich life, start with what you don't want. For example, my long-term life goal personally is to never work on Mondays and Fridays. Wouldn't that be cool? I would like to have a four-day weekend and a three-day work week. That way, there's more days for fun and relaxation and less days for work. Now, I really love my work because I get to do this, but honestly, I just think that would be a cool way to live. Wouldn't that be? I mean, I think it's cool. Now, that's going to take some time to get there, but now I know that I have a goal that I want to work towards. And man, will that make me feel rich, right? Rich in time. Number three, get inspired by other people's positive stories. Again, if you're looking for inspiration in creating your rich life, Scarlett has a different positive take on social media. Look for stories on social media like Scarlett's that inspire you and give you a roadmap to follow. Surrounding yourself with positive examples, positive people, and positive news in general can help you have that rich life quicker than you might think. And those are my top three takeaways, everybody. I would love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram. That's mostly where I'm hanging out nowadays. And at Andy Hill MKM on Facebook and LinkedIn if you're hanging out there. Those are good places for us to keep this conversation going. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for putting together this audio program today and Mandy Burt for her stellar writing on our blog as always. Thank you both so much for your support. This would not be possible without you. Hey, if you want to create some more connections with like-minded people who are on a mission to improve their family's finances, well, you should join us in our Thriving Families Facebook group. This is a free Facebook group focused on helping young families thrive. Each week, we ask people to share any recent family wins they've had, and group member Becky shared this awesome win recently with us as a post. Here's what she said. 
My son is officially offering babysitting services. He is already putting 50% plus of his payments into a brokerage account. Becky, that is a huge generational wealth win. Way to go. First of all, babysitting. That's great money. That's great money for teens, man. I did that when I was a teen and I made a lot of money. And now he's investing his money as a teen. And just think about the decades and decades of compound interest growth that's going to be just giving him a bright future. I mean, this is just like Scarlett and her daughter, the generational wealth plan that started early with those two. And now, now Scarlett's daughter, I think her name was Alexis, is on her way to millions in retirement because of her early planning with her mom, Scarlett. So yeah, Becky and Scarlett, moms of the year, right? Way to go. (laughs) Can I get a round of applause for our friend Becky for sharing her family win with us? All right. Nice work, Becky. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. If you are looking to make some connections with like-minded people and get inspired by their wins, like our friend Becky here, please check out our free Thriving Families Facebook community. You can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Beyonce. Your self-worth is determined by you. You don't have to depend on someone telling you who you are. Best of luck defining your rich life, everyone. Carpe diem. 